Doesn't he look a little bit apprehensive, like, St- like Stephen Colbert? A teeny tiny bit. Just yeah, t- it's the same hair. Just a tiny bit, and it's the suit, the color and, suit, and the brow, and the plane behind him trying to shoot him. No, just no, like Colbert. Just like Colbert. Just like Colbert. Should we start with that? Sure. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome back, everyone. To Cinepraisal. I don't know why I said it that way. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Tis a mystery. Uh, today we are. Tonight we are. It is, in fact, night. Tonight we are going to go a couple directions. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, first off, I'm thinking, like, man, this is a real rough start. And then you drop that shit. <laughs> Yes, because tonight we are watching North by Northwest. Excellent. Uh, featuring my my idol, Cary Grant. I just, ah, God, I love that man so much. <laughs> just so much. Um, I want to be him when I grow up. That's goals to live by. Right? <laughs> well, wonderful. All right, so shall we begin? Yeah, uh, sounds good. Let's start. I didn't cut anything out there. Uh, We're good to go to watch North by Northwest. All right. I will be pressing play in three, Three, two, two, one. Play. We're watching this on HBO Max. You see the lion against the green. The MGM against this green screen color. Which, like, it throws you off so much every time. You're like, wait a minute. (laughs) So I I have a confession, and I waited until we were starting to record. Um, I don't believe I've ever actually seen this movie. Nice. So this is the first, <laughs> but I have seen it referenced so many times. Um, I think in most recent memory, I stumbled onto the clip from The Simpsons on YouTube where... Uh, it's like Marge, a little Marge and her mom. And she, and her mom's like, this is a cornfield, honey. She's like, hmm. And then just the plane comes yeah, out of nowhere yeah. and starts shooting them. I I really love that transition from the uh, the title card. It's really building. nice. Yeah, it was really well done. Um, I love the perspective of the titles against yes, the windows yes. is really pleasing here. It, yeah, it's it's real, like, it's just visually satisfying. Like when you watch those TikToks of people like fitting things into other things. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I actually, I was really lucky. I got the chance to see this in a giant old theater uh, back in Savannah when I was going to college. Mm. And I did not. It was not a time without phones. Phone. It was a time before the cell phone roamed the earth. Yeah, I'm getting <laughs> judged. Anyway, yeah. So I, I got to uh, I got to see it in the theater with my dad and a couple college friends. And like I'd already seen it by then, of course. But like seeing this on the big screen is if you get the opportunity, I would say most definitely do it, especially for the the ending sequence. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm excited. I just love there was a sign there that said no turns. That's it. Didn't have any arrows. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. There, oh, he, there is. he is. Ah, uh, you son of a gun. Getting your cameo out of the way early. Didn't he start doing that because he wanted people to pay attention to the movie and not look for his cameos? <laughs> he would put them earlier in the movie. 
That was a bit I of mean, trivia I heard once. I wasn't sure if it was true. I though. don't know, but it's pretty good. <laughs> gonna turn it up a little bit we have we have a headphone system going on yes a headphone system (laughs) adam's headphones have independent volume control and so we have tried to match both our headphones to have the proper volume but of course we tested on a different movie that was mastered slightly louder and now we're realizing that this (laughs) we need to raise it a bit sounds good to me Okay, What cool. you got it at. I can dig it. I'm just stretching bubblegum as we work through technical difficulties. And we're a show without technical gift, difficulties. I just... <laughs> I, I really enjoy, like... It tells you so much about who this guy is to begin with that, like, he's kind of a dick, but in a way that you're impressed by and you want to be his friend. Because, mm. like, just now, he, you know basically stole that cab from that guy by pretending he's like oh we got a very sick woman here you understand thank you sir (laughs) you just didn't want to wait for another car (laughs) i do i miss this a little bit this look of of cars where it's just a screen yeah behind them just brought up uh before this recording uh the use of the volume in Mandalorian and just how far we've come, but still using... Still basically using the same technology. Yeah, the same thing. (laughs) But boy, is it more convincing now. Boy, this... Boy, this looks like Technicolor. Doesn't it? (laughs) I still feel like... I still feel like you don't quite get this palette and effect with modern films uh, ever. You see a lot of movies try to do it. Uh, The Aviator, that was one of the things they tried real hard to replicate this. And it's just, it's not the same. No. Well, it's just by nature of how it was done, you know. And the, the quick rundown of it is that essentially you had a camera that split all the primaries into separate film strips. Um, using a system prisms um, and it would record a black and white negative for each corresponding color and then they would dye each strip and then they would layer them all on top of one another so you had these like really thick films you know film strips uh, but it, it creates an effect that I don't know yeah it's very hard to replicate god that that cocktail looks good <laughs> but yeah yeah what, what dax was saying i'm looking at the mustaches the suits the camera moves is there a way we can turn on subtitles for sure chance? yeah see the thing is when you're talking over a movie you've never seen before you might oh no <laughs> a pause it was a quick pause there <laughs> I think I'll be able to cut it out. <laughs> we got him on now. Uh-oh. It's troubles are brewing. Yeah, what are you talking about? So, without knowing too much about this movie, 
I'm going to make an assumption that the man who knew too little is like somewhat inspired. I've, I've honestly never seen the man who knew too little. <laughs> it's charming for its time. Emily was saying the and saying the other day, like we have a a shared like keep notes uh, list of movies that we want to show each other, and that's one of hers on the list. Aw. <laughs> Even when being kidnapped, he still is uh, being quippy. Yeah, he's just effortlessly charming, regardless of what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) They're just enduring him. One of my favorite pieces of Cary Grant trivia is that his actual name is Archibald Leach. Really? Yep. Which is fun, because in Gunga Din, he plays a guy named uh, Archibald Cutter. Not enough Archibalds nowadays. Right? (laughs) The score, I'm liking. I'm liking so far, what I'm hearing of it. Oh, of course. Of course. I'll leave. All right, so we got some nice cars, some nice suits, some nice houses. <laughs> Everything's very nice. Everything's nice. There's a lot of style and class. Look at those pillars. You're just you're just riffing because you've never seen this movie before. <laughs> I know. It's great. <laughs> so that's what when we when we're doing one that we've both seen, it's it's easy to kind of go off. Right. But this is a challenge. Well, I mean, it's the same same thing that we did with, like, Woman in Black at the, you know, <laughs> back, just... way back in episode one of season one that was recorded, like, four years ago. <laughs> that was just a lot of me going, ah! <laughs> yeah, and it was mostly me just, like, being entertained because I knew when everything was going to happen. I, I question how fun that is to listen to. Hope you let us know. Listeners, this library is also nice. <laughs> that, that painting, those three paintings. I I don't know. Someday, someday we'll be recording in a room like that. Actually, we kind of are. <laughs> you you hear. Your room kind of has that vibe about it. Thank you. Looking around. Thank you. I appreciate that. My my living room looks like a rich man's study, it, but a rich man from the fifties. It, it looks like an extension of what we're seeing on screen right now. This is true cinema four D, but we can only watch films like this. Yeah, and the futon doesn't move. Hell, we can barely move. <laughs> We have we have shifted to using stands for the mics because it causes far less uh, rustling noise for me to clean up and post. But it does mean which I had been saying for a while. (laughs) But it does mean we are locked a little bit in our positions, as you just stated. Hmm, Mister Townsend, silhouetted against the light. What's going on? (laughs) 
But, like, if anybody else had been playing that character, you would hate him. But he's Cary Grant, and you just can't help but fall madly in love with him. Just look at those eyes. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm starting to really think Man Who Knew Too Little is... <laughs> is lifted a bit from this. Psst, uh, Future Dax here, interjecting really quickly because I wanted to acknowledge that I am aware that The Man Who Knew Too Little was in fact based on Alfred Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much from 1956, which preceded North by Northwest by about three years. What I meant was that it felt a bit like Man Who Knew Too Little also had elements lifted from this particular movie, North by Northwest. Anyway, back to the episode. I like this angle. I like how at this point in his career, he's like... Yeah, I'm not going to not do my British accent, but I'm not going to lean all the way into it. <laughs> so I love I love when Hitchcock would do stuff like that. We just have this kind of odd perspective. Yeah, like whose perspective was that? <laughs> it's just not a choice anyone would make <laughs> in that in that conversation. What does it mean? <laughs> this would be such a frustrating situation. God, there's something just so, like, soothing about James Mason's voice, even when he's, like, threatening people. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> yeah who the hell are you people <laughs> I was in the middle of having a martini lunch <laughs> yeah what would you do in this situation like other than be terrified <laughs> And no score. Like, at this point. And it's so unnerving. Because that's the thing. I like it when, like, movies do sometimes take a moment to not have music. Because it does... It... Um, sort of makes you appreciate when there is music but, sure but i feel like there's an impulse now to have to have score all the time 
Well, yeah, because the score tells you how to feel. Yeah, but acting can do that. The colors can yes, do that. Yes, of course, but it's it's much more difficult to craft those quieter moments. So I feel like the reason why we fall back on score so much these days is because it's basically like a really good emotional shorthand. Hmm. It's like, yeah, the actors can probably get us most of the way there. The direction will probably get us most of the way there, the way it's shot. But the music, the music guarantees that the audience is going to go where you're trying to take them. I mean, maybe not guarantees, but it's pretty damn close. <laughs> so I'm assuming they're trying to make it look like he's killed himself in a drunk driving accident. Well, aren't you still in the car? What was he hoping to accomplish there? God, I love the theme to this movie. <laughs> oh, man. So where in the filmography of of Hitchcock did this take place? If I might. I mean, we're pretty far into his career at this point. He's established. Wikipedia, Wikipedia, Alfred Hitchcock. I'm just curious. <laughs> Something I like, though, Hitchcock would take, he, he knew how to run with just a premise, just a simple idea, and expand it into something suspenseful and interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, what if a bunch of, you know, what if birds just started killing people? Exactly. And you might laugh at the birds nowadays. In concept, it is kind of horrifying. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> especially like that that's one we could definitely do for this. I would love watching the birds. Are you kidding? That would be so much fun. It is I mean, we could change now. <laughs> no, no, no. We've committed in this direction. Yeah, I'm not I'm not doing <laughs> not that. I didn't what? I'm, I'm just not saying. following you down that road. <laughs> so you'd be going south by southeast. <laughs> All right, so I'm looking this up. What do we got here? Oh, no, these are short films. I need to see long films. That's what we're calling features now. Yes, yeah, so this was 59. This is towards the end of his career. Wow. Okay. Hot dang. Just before Psycho. Uh, it feels like... And then The Birds. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So when... Which was the first color one he I did? Think, yeah, he... I think it was uh, during the filming of Marnie. Basically, his really abusive relationship with Tippi Hedren kind of came to a head. And she finally called him out on it. And basically from that point forward, he just kind of... Everyone kind of agrees that like during the filming of Marnie, he kind of broke as a filmmaker. So that's why there's not that many more movies after Marnie. Hmm. I mean, he was an asshole as far as like his interactions with all of the beautiful blonde women in his movies. 
Mm. It's kind of a dick. It's always interesting when you can see a uh, a filmmaker's like like strongly identify like oh this filmmaker has a real like preference sexually it's Quentin Tarantino and feet we mm. all know about it because <laughs> there's so many shots focusing on women's feet in all of his movies which you know what man I don't get it but I support that it's your thing less so on the whole you know abusing blondes yeah this would be oh god <laughs> Still trying to adjust his tie. This is all one big misunderstanding. The his movie suit's still buttoned. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> He's not roughed up at all. For a man who was just drunkenly in a car accident, yeah, he's still pretty well put together. <laughs> they didn't give me a chaser. <laughs> yeah, this you know, back in the time when alcoholism was still funny. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <laughs> It's. I appreciate that, like, there's some sense of uh, humor amongst the horrifying situation. <laughs> Hands it to him. <laughs> <laughs> Like, what kind of man do you think Roger Thornhill is? Like, you know, the relationship he has with his mother and just, like, the demeanor that this man has. Who do you think he is? In what way? Like, his his job? No, just, like, you know, where do you think he's from? How do you think he was brought up that he's this guy? That's a good question. Uh, I have no answer. <laughs> I, have no, I have no good answer for this. I mean, um, it, like, it, was he born like lower class and he's kind of like. I sincerely doubt it. I'm pretty sure this guy is like Manhattan, you know, wouldn't say royalty, but at least, you know, a duke. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny because it's like, you know, he's the, he's a, a, wealthy middle-aged white man protagonist in a 1950s movie like he's our quote-unquote every man it's <laughs> <laughs> very much like a an archer vibe happening there
Yeah, I would I would be so curious about the fabrication, quote unquote, of this story that he'd been kidnapped, you know, if I were in the judge's if I were in the judge's position here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least he's getting the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's like that's a that's more generous than than many judges would be in that situation. Oh yeah. <laughs> like this is such a such a crazy thing that sure. So they just went to the place. This reminds me of a scene from Fright Night. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Where no cuz cuz he like tries to get the police over. <laughs> he's like he's a vampire. Why don't you believe me? <laughs> it's like, well, what are you hoping to accomplish? Sure. In this, of course, they're going to like do the best they can to hide any kind of, any kind of uh, malfeasance. What's the word I'm looking for here? Criminal intent. It's, it's funny. I, uh... Literally earlier today, I was just watching uh, season three of Archer. So again, seeing the dynamic between him and his mother right now is like, oh, yep, that's real familiar. <laughs> I'd be so frustrated. The frustrating <laughs> part about this is, like, yeah, she's lying, but everyone else in the room is being perfectly rational given the information that they have. Right. There's no reason that you shouldn't believe her. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, what? The UN? <laughs> so, I actually, I do have a fun little behind-the-scenes piece of trivia. And I'll bring it up when we get there. Okay. Oh my goodness. See, it's kind of like $2. That's the fine? Yep. That? Yep. 
is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh my goodness. See, this is kind of like because we've brought it up before, and we brought it up before, <laughs> brought it up before even recording this, just earlier this eve, that the Maltese Falcon is a film in which <laughs> the protagonist Humphrey Bogart. <laughs> Whatever the character's name is, uh, has no idea. I think he's Sam Spade in that one. Sam Spade. He has no idea what's going on amongst this mystery, but he's acting like he does and trying to get to the, the, you know, heart of this strange situation. I like that in this, it's more, no, he has no idea and he's going to act like he has no idea. And (laughs) he's so incredibly frustrated about it. (laughs) Because this is how... This is how Humphrey Bogart would have been in reality. Oh yeah, in in Maltese Falcon. <laughs> Shut up! Wow. Yeah. Okay. You tell your mother to shut up. I, my mom would slap the shit out of me. <laughs> Subtlety. I like that he was calling on a gold phone. <laughs> the phones there are gold. That's how you know it's fancy. I stayed in that hotel once. Oh my goodness. <laughs> For 50. Assaulting. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you got to play it off like nothing, nothing at all. Nothing gone wrong. It's two beds. So Oh, yes, because of code, right? They couldn't. Well, well they, I guess they don't. Nobody's sleeping yeah, in them right, right. now. Nobody's sleeping in them, so it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> but you wouldn't have two beds. I can see how this would have been an, an influence on many other things. Oh, yeah. Feel a bit like the Bourne movies, the Bourne series in a way, although that's caused more by amnesia. It really is the guy. But like that first Bourne movie where it's like, I have no idea. I don't know what's going on because he's literally forgot. But that sense of being in the middle of a mystery and people are out to get you and you don't quite know why. I think that's just called anxiety. <laughs> that's what this whole movie is. Just anxiety, the film. Mr. Kaplan. Hmm. He's physically standing here. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
<laughs> oh no. It's the it's the little moments. <laughs> like just so much tension in that. He may, it like but Cary Grant what makes him so great is he he has these little reactions. It's all these like smaller reactions that say so much. <laughs> He's just tipping someone else's <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. There's like humor to a lot of uh, a lot of Hitchcock stuff. Sure, because I think you have to alleviate the tension in some way. It can't just be people being serious the whole time. Oh, of course not. <laughs> Still got the. <laughs> His hair is a lovely shade of dark gray it's like a it's like graphite yeah it's not black but it's not like old <laughs> it's like beautifully in between with a nice sheen to it how old is he here <laughs> now they think that confirms it's him right <laughs> but why did you answer the phone Oh my goodness. I'd like to meet these killers. Do, 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 do. Okay, so he's 55 here. Seems about right. Yeah. But God, I hope I look that good at 55. <laughs> I would pay money to have a Captain America style fight scene right here. <laughs> that was smooth. <laughs> That's the second cab he's stolen. <laughs> 
I like the continuity there. Yeah, you could see in the uh, the film footage behind him in the car, mm-hmm. you could see that couple as the next car pulled up. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Take me to the UN. <laughs> I mean, it's a place. You could tell a cab to take you to the UN. I've been to the UN. Okay, so this shot, they did not actually have the... Uh, the clearance to shoot at the uh, the United Nations. So, like this right here, Alfred Hitchcock is standing across the street with the camera under his coat. Oh my goodness. That's great. <laughs> that, that cab driver seemed a little sus. Not gonna lie. no need for id not at the united nations who would try and fib their way into there i assume that shot is also hitchcock holding basically and anything any shots pointed at the united nations Okay, so Rope was 10 years before, 11 years before this. That helps me place it a little bit. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, like, I I would say that the amount of intrigue is palpable. <laughs> now Townsend isn't Townsend. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, no. No, don't grab it. No, this just escalated. So, okay, the fugitive now comes to mind. Yep. 
Look at that shot. That's an amazing shot. It's a matte painting, but yeah. Oh, how did they do that shot? That's so cool. It's a great picture. <laughs> I don't know. This just this is like a nightmare. This just keeps escalating. Yes, that's how thrillers work, <laughs> or stories. Everything is pointing to him being crazy. Is that your? Is that your guess? No, 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 I'm saying, like, evidence-wise. Oh? Hmm. Who are these people? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Hmm. Sorry for the silence and just taking in this intrigue. <laughs> you can hear Rusty snoring. <laughs> I like all this explanation being right here because this is like information that in any other movie you would find out at the end. Right. The fact that you're getting it now is like, well, wait, what? what's the rest of the movie? Yeah. Maybe they felt like they couldn't keep stringing people along. Oh, that's all Hitchcock does. <laughs> that's his entire like modus operandi. There's another, another uh, high angle shot of everyone. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I almost feel like they should have held off on that. Oh, no. Don't worry. <laughs> There's more shenanigans, I'm sure. Of course there are. Yes, because you grabbed it. <laughs> so when was... So this is 59. 
When was the fugitive? The original the fugitive. <laughs> not the not the Harrison Ford. Come on, give me the original. What are you talking about? What's happening over there? The 60s series of The Fugitive. Oh, yeah, yeah. So 1963. I mean, the idea of a man being on the run in a case of mistaken identity is not new. No, I'm just curious because... All right, okay. Because this industry likes to point at things and go, that was successful, Let's do something somewhat similar. <laughs> so, give me the same thing, but completely different. <laughs> same but fresh. <laughs> but I do find it curious that the the fugitive TV series came four years after this. That you don't have to say anything more. <laughs> you done much traveling by train? Me? Yeah. Oh. No, I'm asking Rusty. <laughs> I don't know. You're... <laughs> You're sarcastically asking the film. No, I'm asking you. Have you ever done <laughs> I, much traveling by train? I used to do a lot of traveling by train, actually. I it's, love trains. It's uh, I used to, because I was going to school up at UC Santa Barbara, and I would frequently come back down to uh, Calabasas. So I would take Amtrak a lot of the time, back and forth. And... uh it's always kind of a lovely. So, <laughs> so I'm talking over the, uh, I'm assuming romantic encounter. It's the meat and the meat cute. Oh, oh, I like her already. <laughs> Willing to lie to the cops? You must be great. <laughs> Seven parking tickets and murder. Don't do, don't do it. Don't. But who could resist? <laughs> this is some loud, some loud dog lips. No, but um. I remember a lot of times, because it, it would be like an hour to hour and a half ride, sometimes going up and down, and uh, you just kind of sit there with your thoughts, sometimes read, but a lot of times I would just look out the window, just watch the landscape as it scrolled sure. by, and uh, occasionally you might talk to somebody if uh, they didn't seem crazy. I love making transportation friends, or <laughs> as uh, Fight Club calls them, single-serving friends. Because mm. <laughs> it's just that instance. Yeah.
Yeah, I used to, because I was studying Japanese at the time, um, and I remember at one point there was this man that I, you know, I could see by the book he was reading that it was Japanese, and I ended up saying a few things to him, um, and he was surprised that some Hakujin <laughs> like knew any any Japanese at all, but uh, had some fun conversations with him. I remember, and it was. But it was stuff like that I, I loved, that kind of, uh, yeah, single-serve friend friend encounters. Um, but also, if you ever go that, that way along the California coastline, beautiful views of the ocean. I love I don't this. think it's supposed to be the California coastline, though. Oh, no, 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 he's... no. I'm just reminiscing on my own. Oh, okay. <laughs> on my own train I was about experience. to say, he's... Leaving no, New York City. I, this so. is just phone poles. What's going on here? <laughs> what a beautiful view of of LA in the background. Hmm. Oh. Oh, she's great. <laughs> Nobody's this witty. Come on. <laughs> well, I was I always consider myself to be a, a two drink carry grant. Uh-huh. You get me get me at like two drinks in and I I'm on it. I got it. Like, I am frustratingly witty. <laughs> I like... I like how restrained but straightforward this conversation is. <laughs> this is wildly forward i know <laughs> well i'm 30 so no <laughs> Not quite there yet. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's not a reason. <laughs> it's it's like. When, uh, like, there was a picture going around, like, a mugshot going around of this, like, really attractive guy who was being sent to jail. And so people, like, started, I think it was, like, a, a GoFundMe to bail him out just because they thought he was cute. <laughs> uh, and then he, like, got out and committed more crimes. Like, <laughs> attractiveness is not an indication of a good person. Gosh darn it, GoFundMe. <laughs> Go fund yourself.
How much do you think he spends on monogrammed, monogrammed <laughs> matchbooks? Boy, the smoking is cool. I'm sure it'll never have any consequence. It's like so much tension in well, this one scene. <laughs> Coming to a stop. Nice. You see the police car? Yes. Is she also wanted? <laughs> yep. Okay, are they going to end up on top of the train? Yeah, I would say, you know, Archer obviously takes from a lot of spy stuff, but there is a certain aesthetic and quality to Archer that feels s sort of lifted from from this. Well, I mean, yeah, Ar Archer has a very distinctly 1960s feel to it. Yeah. And granted, yes, this is 59, but it's very much the... It's there. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> But it is interesting. I, I I hadn't realized how kind of influential this film has been <laughs> without having seen it. Uh, and it's it's very interesting. That's how I feel like I've recent, recently started watching the Shaft movies. And it's one of those things where it's like, I know, I know what those movies are because of how they exist in the greater you know public consciousness. Hmm. But I'd never actually sat down and watched them. And let me tell you, Shaft is a fun movie. Shaft's big score is amazing. Hmm. <laughs> Thornhill. That's pretty convincing right now. The like the the, the, the gentle rocking of the car yes. and yeah, and the scenery going by. Kendo. I can't tell if it's just the camera or if the car itself is moving. I mean, it would make more sense if it, if it was just the camera. Shaking gently up and down. <laughs> you want to wait more than a second <laughs> before they're... 
Oh my god. How did they put him in there? I guess he just got up there and then just shut it. Right, but you saw like his weight just, you know, yeah. Aw. Oh no. No more disguise. Oh my god, she's good. <laughs> yep. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> You have no defenses against someone like that. Of course not. <laughs> he's so old, though. <laughs> yeah, he's a 55-year-old 50, man, we said. Yeah. She's 26. Yeah, he's, he's kind of old. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge that that uh, dynamic. There is a wealth of life difference between those ages. He's more than twice her age. <laughs> that's not a it's not a sexy thing to say what no <laughs> i mean you know depends on your kink man as long as they discuss safe words ahead of time i think they're fine now is she really into him or is she oh shit she's still alive oh is she she is 97 and she's from newark new jersey What is her place in this? Is she who she says she is? Is she someone secret? <laughs> I like to say somebody's listening to this and they've seen this movie before. And they know all the answers and they're just yelling. <laughs> well, if it God. makes you feel any better, I just did the math. She's playing 26, but she is 35. It's still like 20 years. <laughs> it's still really different. They couldn't just say she's in her 30s. Why not? How? What's his character supposed to be? I don't know. If I was her in this scene, it would just be like, oh my God, he's so old. <laughs> well, I mean, Lauren Bacall was 18 when they made To Have and Have Not. Yeah, apparently that led to an onset romance that uh, caused Humphrey Bogart's divorce. Oh, What's going on? What clues? 
<laughs> that is a very tiny razor. My God. You you understand the implications, yes? Uh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's not supposed to be a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> there oh they are allowed to show one bed when did that change <laughs> i don't know when, when did they fix that in case anybody doesn't know what we're talking about uh in older films you there was a point was it postcode um that they had to they, they couldn't have like couples sleeping in the same bed. Yeah, so, that's why like when you watch I Love Lucy and stuff like that, they're sleeping in separate beds. And they they sort of make fun of that in uh, WandaVision. They have like right mm -hmm. that initially they're sleeping in separate beds. <laughs> what do I do with him in the morning? Eve. Uh, I knew it. Not to be trusted. You can't trust. That was a really, really good transition. Yes, it was. <laughs> or a good transition. <sighs> I'll just see myself out. Door closed. <laughs> I don't want to commit to getting up. I mean, for one equipment. thing, you've already done that. Bit. I know. There was a twist on it <laughs> this time. Let this be a message that no one... No one ever loves you without a reason of wow. wanting to manipulate you. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I actually didn't recognize him for a moment. He looked that different wearing that hat. He's got a nice rugged look. <laughs> so did Hitchcock often film in public spaces without without permits to do so? Is this a public space or are they on a treadmill? Oh, they're probably on a treadmill. That was pretty convincing. Yeah. I, I actually wasn't i mean now that you've said it i can see it but because they just you know stylistically knocked everything out of focus mm -hmm. so it felt pretty natural you think so but it doesn't nullify my question 
That guy's so much smaller than Cary Grant. <laughs> this movie has not gone in the direction and place that I was expecting it to. <laughs> Who's bribing who? <laughs> who? <laughs> Cary Grant gave them money for the clothes. <laughs> right. But then he was like, they went that way. Right. So he wouldn't be implicated. He's trying to shave with her tiny crotch razor. <laughs> That's pretty fast. I Oh, he's just putting the, the cream on right now. Oh, I say I was gonna say, don't freaking shave like that, you out of your mind. I love the guy with the straight razor. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's pretty good yeah that would take a minute thank you Sub I know why it was there but it was just funny that the subtitles said no audio right <laughs> thank you very helpful but it's because, just so you know if you're deaf you're not supposed to hear something um I may have mentioned this before, but my dad has one of those phone booths. Oh. It's in the uh, the dining room at my parents' house. Is there a phone in it? Yeah, he has the actual phone for it and everything. Oh my goodness. He's got it so that when you close the door, the light and the fan turn on. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Good, because I don't want anybody hearing what I have to say to another person. I mean, just in general, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's true. No one talks on the phone anymore. But if they were, I wouldn't want others hearing what that conversation was. Uh, look at this place. This is another another in front of a screen. Like, the column's real, the but column everything else is. is a screen. This was a prototype of the volume. Basically. <laughs> a lot of screen projection. Which is more complicated than I think most people realize, because you have to synchronize the shutter of the camera that you're filming with right. with the shutter of the projector for the screen. Yes, you do. Yeah, you can run into that issue. It's like if you ever say you film footage of yourself in front of a computer monitor, you actually have to match the shutter speed with the frame rate of the like refresh rate of your monitor. Right. I Otherwise, believe. your screen's going to flicker. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, yeah, it, this this looks pretty convincing. Could you imagine if like the everything behind them was just constantly flickering? <laughs> It's also the same reason why uh, if you have a neon light on in the same room as a fan, sometimes it'll look like the fan isn't spinning because the neon light is constantly flickering as well. Like imperceptibly, but enough that it makes the fan look like it's standing still. Persistence of vision. Something or other to do with it. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Does she feel bad? Is she regretting? This scenery looks familiar. 
In the middle of goddamn no and where. <laughs> this is a cornfield, honey. <laughs> I see no cornfields yet. Uh, yeah. How did he get this angle? Is it a map painting? No, it looks too real. Probably got on a tower or it's, something. Yeah, it has to be. It's so steady. Yeah, shooting from like a probably like a water tower or something. I just like to envision there's a really tall ladder. Oil derrick. <laughs> I yeah. I wonder what made him commit to all these high angle shots. It if what there's some i guess not everything has to have meaning and purpose but it's curious because it's it's far from the only instance of him doing that i would disagree i think everything does have to have meaning and purpose i it's good if it does but you know sometimes where it's like well the shot looks cool you know and that can be reason enough but i sure i wonder if there is a narrative reason that he keeps using these high angles just to imply the vastness of like a small Uh, person in a big world my theory is that it's uh the fact that he's constantly being observed, mm. especially by those people who we assume are the CIA who created the Kaplan character. <laughs> so ominous with the plane off in the distance. I love that. I love a good Doppler effect. <laughs> the best part when we do get up to uh, the part with the plane is watching him run because he runs like he's not sure he's doing it right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is the only scene in the movie I have prior <laughs> knowledge of. I'm pretty sure that they showed this scene in in a, some film class I took at some point. Probably. Which, like, I I remember seeing this, uh, like, I saw this scene, probably the same, in a film class. Without the context of the greater movie around it, mm-hmm. this doesn't seem like that great of a scene, but it's such a change from everything else we've been seeing. Right. It's... A lot of these, like, really long, quiet shots. Because now he's alone. And you just saw all these cars. Ah, God. That's chilling to see yeah. the one car that you know you know is coming for him. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd start to... Or is it? But why is he waiting here? Maybe I missed something. Why is he just waiting here? Is He's just trying to find a car that'll slow down for him. To be honest, I missed that too. Because <laughs> he doesn't seem to be making any effort to go somewhere else. <laughs> It's so awkward. And I love, again, no music. Committed to just all this awkward silence and just the sounds of cars. 
Oh, that's right. So Eve told him that she scheduled a meeting for him with uh, Kaplan to be in this remote location. Ah. <laughs> it's a good little phrase. There's a there's a lot of that kind of banter. It's like cuz she also says earlier I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it, you know, things like that or mm -hmm. <laughs> I said the thing I said cuz it was true. And yeah, it's it's so funny cuz again, you would be so paranoid at this point. And that's exactly what's happened with him. That this one guy waiting for the bus, you know, he's suspecting is this uh, secret person that he's supposed to meet. But what could be going on with the crop duster? And Dust it has dusting been, where there ain't no crops. It has been dusting crops. Well, it's been dusting, but it's like been the dusting. guy pointed out, there's no crops there. But it was like that plane itself was committing to that act. I think that plane is trying to kill me. <laughs> this is uh, where Stephen King got the <laughs> got the inspiration. <laughs> no. No, I'll, I'll not finish that one. Oh my God, run from the plane. This is where uh, Disney got the inspiration to make planes. You're just going to keep <laughs> saying shit. I'm just going to say that this inspired things that it clearly didn't. I mean, really, this film is the genesis of Dora the Explorer. <laughs> no, um... Yeah, this is a long scene of him out in the middle of the desert. Yeah, but again, like you you get shown this scene in film classes, but without yeah, see? Yeah. Uh, you're right. <laughs> you get shown this scene in film classes and you'll see it in isolation. You'll see it without the rest of the movie. And it doesn't seem that spectacular if you see it on its own, but within the context of the movie, this scene is great. Yeah, no, I agree. This is a cornfield. Mm. <laughs> it's a really dry cornfield. That plane hasn't been doing its job. Where do you go? You could always just dump some pesticide on top of him. <laughs> Like, what do you even do at this point? You're in this situation. You're in the middle of nowhere, and a plane is trying to kill you. Hide in a cornfield. He's going <laughs> to run out of gas eventually. I'm adjusting my mic. There it goes. Oh, no. It just feels like Hitchcock was trying to think up interesting ways for someone to be potentially murdered. 
<laughs> Gotta make it to that bus. Oh my god, I didn't... <laughs> Jesus, I, I, I really didn't expect that to happen. I think I've forgotten. <laughs> or maybe I never was shown the entire clip. Is he gonna steal a car? Is he gonna, is he gonna just yeet someone's car? This is what Jonathan and Martha Kent were doing right before they found Clark. Uh, right. <laughs> he is. Now he really is stealing someone's car. With a refrigerator in the back. Is your refrigerator running? No, it's driving. I can't do the leaving joke again. I've already done it too many times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at some point you'll have to actually leave. <laughs> and we're not at the end yet. Very dark. Moody. I like that. I like just the light. Under the Ambassador East. Is that what it said? Mm-hmm. And all this fine wood that paddling. Oh, sorry, what was that? It was a poodle. Oh. Little doggy. Oh, my. putting it together he's figuring it out <gasps> the lady in red it's a gorgeous dress <laughs> not crazy about the front but the back's amazing that's what that's what a woman likes to hear. Talking about the dress. <laughs> no, I know. I was just thinking about it. <laughs> the front, not a fan. <laughs> but the back, <laughs> thumbs up. Um, okay. I, I, I really do feel like these... Again, the scoreless sections are done so well. And it could seem so amateur and not and and not like it has purpose. But it to me it always does in in Hitchcock films. Oh. Oh. 
<laughs> well, that felt forced. <laughs> He's like, uh, K. <laughs> so could I. Great. I'll drink my trusty water. Oh. Mm. <laughs> this is all ramping up sorry i'm being quiet here just taking in this i mean people who listen to us know what it is like when we're quiet <laughs> we're watching the movie because it's a good fucking movie <laughs> Just think of us as two very large flies on the wall, <laughs> occasionally chiming in. Occasionally regurgitating acid to dissolve our food. Exactly. Using our many eyes, or, or multi-faceted eyes. I Compound. Forget. Compound, compound eyes. eyes. You thank you, thank you. <laughs> Using our compound eyes to take in all of the cinema in front of us. And then buzzling, buzzling, you heard right, buzzling around your ear whenever appropriate. Gross. <laughs> that lampshade almost looks painted into the wall. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why I thought of that. I, I kind of get it because the top <laughs> and bottom looks like rough brush tricks. Right. Hmm. Boy, this is awkward. She couldn't just have been someone interested in him. Had to be someone who wanted him dead. I mean, it explains why she was being so wildly forward on the train. Right. It's how all my relationships end. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Well, that is a question. I'm realizing I have had a conversation like this before, yeah. and I was like, Okay.
He was just witty enough. <laughs> Or is she going to try and shoot him now? Oh, he can figure out what was written on it. Okay. You hear he's saying valet? Yes, it's driving me nuts. No, is that it's because the way it's, it's supposed to be said. Yes, it is. Because a valet is the guy who parks your fucking car. A valet is the guy who, you know, preps your clothes and... I didn't know that. Your, yeah. Then I sit corrected in my assumptions. But of course, Cary Grant would know that. What she was telling you to leave forever, like five seconds ago. Yes, but you you forget that he's Cary Grant. <laughs> I feel like that's not getting through. Hoomst is manipulating Hoomst. <laughs> This is a really nice hotel room. Yeah, can I just live in that hotel room? I really hope that wallpaper is textured. Oh no. Switzerland. Oh, <laughs> singing. Yeah. So. Okay. So now she's seen the photo. Are you wearing pants, sir? I believe he's in his boxers, his bright yellow boxers. If he was going to commit to a ruse, why didn't he just leave his pants on? <laughs> Because he needed the uh, the valet to come fix his suit. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. So I was right. He did the thing to find out what she had written. Um, I mean... You you gotta give credit to the fact that this man's been wearing the same suit for the last, like, three days. <laughs> hmm. The plot thickens. Even more than it's already thickened. And it's already, like, cold oatmeal. <laughs> With... With lots of syrup and molasses. In fact, it's mostly molasses at this point. Hmm. 
That that's that's a good period reference. Hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Whoa, no. Oof. Yeah, and he just, yep. Meanwhile, they're trying to sell a, like a koala? It looks clown? like a clown. Clown koala? I don't know why I'm thinking it's a koala. A clown walla. Yeah, you could probably ease up on the slut shaming. Yeah, it it is a thing that bugs me in in Hitchcock movies, and it's a thing that kind of bothers me a little bit about the femme fatale thing in general. That guy has quite the stare. <laughs> you you had like a one night thing. Yeah, and then she tried to get him killed. Yeah, well, no, but I'm saying, like, if <laughs> playing the love card here wasn't exactly a long time. But yeah, you, you could have feelings hurt. Sure. What what was that? What don't you want him to come to you? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> There wasn't a seat there. But 
but he doesn't necessarily think through everything he's doing. So it's like, you came barging in here. <laughs> Just gonna go ahead and ignore that. <laughs> what is he here what's what's this what's he going for here that's pretty good Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Where? What is this bit? Why is he doing this? <laughs> He's trying to get arrested. Why did they turn it down? These rich old people are going to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> it's funny exactly what he wants is the police to take him away. <laughs> that is clever <laughs> you need a police escort <laughs> but where's the scene of him getting violently beaten <laughs> Oh, it's Shaft. In Shaft's big score, there's a sequence where he gets the ever-living crap kicked out of him. And then he's tossed out into an alleyway. And when you see the close-up on him, he's perfectly fine. Except right. he's got like some movie blood on his face. I don't know. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Only, only NYPD. <laughs> no other police. Yeah, if it <laughs> yeah, you would think that uh, somebody else would be on top of this. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Even the police. Ah, Northwest. Oops, sorry. Uh -oh. A very brief pause, and now we're going to be very oh-so-slightly desynced. For like half a second. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea when this is going to end, how it's going to end, where it's going to end. Ah. <laughs> this is another screen. I don't I I don't <sighs> I think it is. I think so. But the way this shot started, I know. I'm so confused because yeah. it looks like a screen now. <laughs> yeah, because they stopped walking and it kept moving for a mm -hmm. little bit. It was just a little off. <sighs> this is this this film is exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that's the thing that's exhausting me. <laughs> And I hope if you've been listening, um, that you've been watching along <laughs> at this point, because be very confusing if you aren't. I, that's how I feel about all of our commentaries, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you <laughs> if you haven't at this point, an hour and a half in, however long it's been, go back, start over. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I kind of wish that this was the point we were finding that out. Like I I do I don't know. 
I question whether that scene was necessary in the middle of them saying all the reality of what was happening. Yeah, I mean, I think this this is fun. <laughs> you just missed a large chunk of their conversation. <laughs> Is it her? Is she this is is she the agent? No. He's a madman. Bing. Yep. Called it. Called it. Called it. Oh, no. Ah, <laughs> and this scene. <laughs> that holy mountain that we just dynamited some dudes' faces into. Mm. <laughs> That's a good line. I really think we should just add like Nicki Minaj next to it, you know? <laughs> Why? Just add, no, I'm just like saying, just pick somebody <laughs> completely different and put them next to those heads. Who would you pick? I don't know. I would just dynamite the whole goddamn thing <laughs> just and give it back it to the natives. Just blow it up. Yeah. Like what what's what is the real purpose of having that in South Dakota? <laughs> and like it was supposed to be full bodies of all of them. And they just stop because this is like this take way too long. <laughs> I well, I think like you can see where they were uh they were kind of dynamiting out the shape of George Washington's like chest. Mm. At a certain point, the rock starts to fall away. I think that's what ended up happening is they realized like it just, it wasn't strong enough to, for them to keep doing it. And it would probably end up destroying the whole thing. Right. Hmm. <clears throat> What's another mountain we could blow up? 
I'm going to leave that to you. <laughs> Just go somewhere else and carve. <laughs> Look at that hat. He's got a lovely hat. So <laughs> it's James Mason playing opposite Cary Grant. Like they both have such like an effortless wit to them. Yeah, as you took your hand off her shoulder. Hmm. Wow. That was not what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> I really just enjoy watching you watch movies sometimes. <laughs> uh... Now, was this staged? I mean, because here's the thing. Hitchcock blew up an entire bus with like a nun and a kid yep. and, a, and a cat or whatever it was, or a dog. It was a dog, yeah. It was a it was dog. like a little puppy. Like, he'll do that. So... You never know. <laughs> you really don't. Could you imagine if the like the hearse drove or the ambulance drove off and that was just the end of the movie? Yeah. <laughs> now this feels very set like, I must say. I know they're trying, but 
Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> He's calling. <laughs> when did he become James Bond in this film? Like that. Where did that that transition take place? I I will forever feel like that is one of the greatest missed opportunities of our lifetime. Is having like Cary Grant never played James Bond. Uh, He's so effortlessly falling into this role, this character. Did they put that line in because they thought people wouldn't yeah, fully probably. understand? He didn't have to be that on the nose. <laughs> when I shot the blanks. You weren't the only one shooting blanks. Nice you're, yeah, nothing, nice you're able to squeeze that in. I had nothing to do this weekend, so I decided to fall in love. That's a cute. That's cute. That's actually kind of sweet. <laughs> I. Okay. So this can't this isn't the end. There's more. Right? What? Oh. See, she was a double double crosser. That's what you didn't account for. Oh my goodness. Hey there. We got a dog. A sleepy dog. Mm. Who's waking and waking up and causing a ruckus. <laughs> yeah, what is <laughs> There's like can we a, go? Can we like? There's like a whole crime thing happening. Right. We're trying to resolve. I get that you guys want to canoodle in the woods, but you know, <laughs> can we solve the crime first? Against this lovely matte painting and strategically placed sticks. They're bigger than sticks. I know. Hmm. Can it? Oh no. She's going off. Hmm.
It's her job. Hmm. It's kind of like her choice, too. Uh, so <laughs> it keeps going. <laughs> There's so many points where this movie could end. It's like a Ryan Johnson movie in that way. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. We had to have at least one shirtless scene, I suppose. It's not a bad upper bod for a for a fifty-five year old fifty-five year old man. <laughs> hmm. why did they uh, so I know we're towards the end of the film why did they grab him at the beginning was it that made them think he was did they actually is there a reason no not as far as I know They literally, they just saw him, they're like, he looks like a secret agent. Well, I wonder if there's like some line saying like that they thought he'd be there at that point. Well, yeah, they they did assume, like, they thought that Kaplan was in the hotel. Like, Kaplan, quote unquote, Kaplan had a room at the hotel. Yeah, if I go back, there's probably a moment that clarifies that a little bit. Well, yeah, it's just the fact that like, they knew he was, they knew he was supposed to be in that hotel. They saw Thornhill and just made the connection like it must be him. Why they chose him, I have no idea. Of all the many, many people in that in that hotel. Yeah, someone becoming a spy involuntarily is is a very interesting premise (laughs) and done uh, I guess correctly the first time (laughs) I don't know (laughs) like if you were to remake this film nowadays god I hope that never happens there'd be no point (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. No, I don't know. That's that's good stuff. <laughs> that's good stuff. It's, I just uh, feel like a woman would be terrified of an intruder until she realized it was Cary Grant. Right. That's okay. Sure. <laughs> Just in the middle of nowhere. I like all the cab drivers in this world. Yeah, well, there was that one that was, like, suspicious, though, that dropped him off at the UN, I felt. Because he was like, can you shake him? And he was like, yes, I can. And it didn't show his face or anything. And I felt like they were trying to imply something. Like he was some secret... (laughs) Like operative intentionally. Yeah, he's a New York cab driver. You think this is the first time he's had somebody who needed to shake a tail? (laughs) Right. I guess that is that was just the answer. Hmm. I hope this ends well. (laughs) With no tragedy whatsoever. It's important to have hopes. he does seem to keep kind of like i don't know now he's this is now just meddling he has an out he's he's gone from the innocent uh uh victim to someone who is actively meddling in a thing that he probably should not well, it's like I don't know. This movie's just great. <laughs> no, but I think it's interesting because you that transition. I can't fully place where it happens. And he really does bring you along for the ride. Yeah, and I mean, like, the the CIA or FBI or whatever alphabet soup organization, (laughs) they gave him an out by having Eve, quote-unquote, kill Kaplan. So, yeah, now Roger Thornhill can just go back to his life if he feels so inclined, but he's not going to because he has to go back for her. And he's seeing... Well, and he also... He wants some closure, you know? <laughs> I need closure to this situation. Okay, I'm assuming he's going back for her, but you know, he needs to know how this movie ends. That's the real reason he's going back. I was, you know, it's funny when they walked by the underside of this architecture, I thought it's very specifically shaped. <laughs> it's it's odd. <laughs> and I wonder if there's a reason it's shaped that way. <laughs> and then he goes and uses it to Because it was up. 1959. No, but it seemed like it had a practical reason, you know. And now here he is actually using it to get up there. If that makes sense. Yeah, he is actively dangering her. Hmm. 
Oh, they're going to mention. He knows. He knows. So what is the rule of suspense that, like, you know more than the, like, you as an audience know more than the person that the thing is about to happen to, right? Right. It, which, is a, which is a delicate balancing act for the, uh, the writer-director because, yeah, you need the audience to know more than the main character, but you don't want them to know more than you intend them to at any given moment. Like, you know, there's, if you give too many clues, they can infer. And it's like how I went to go see the village and I knew that (laughs) it was modern day, a half an hour into the movie. Oh no. Like, yeah. So, so, so again, this just kind of like a mark of how good Hitchcock is at suspense that it gets to a point where it's very difficult to talk. Yeah, because you're being kind of suspended. This was this was an interesting choice, and I, I did pick this movie out, but I'm realizing yes, it was an interesting choice to try and do a commentary on. And I'm realizing this might be an issue with Hitchcock. I don't think with the birds it would be quite as much of a problem because I've seen the birds a couple of times. Sure. And there are things that are just straight out. So he's like well enough to still punch him after being shot. Well, no, he used the gun with the blanks. Oh, I see. That's what he was just saying. Like it's a, it's a trick to gain confidence. See, that's the problem with talking over a thing which i was which just doing we have the subtitles up for this very reason <laughs> i know that but, was my you know. fault for missing that oh i see okay but what if he'd been wrong that man can rock a sweater vest hmm Oh, well, there's the answer. That's why he's been shooting high angles. Did you know? (laughs) You knew. Uh, (laughs) No. Okay. And I like the smarminess of, of it being the... Uh, of moving the camera up on that line to give that that reveal. Okay, now he has reason to meddle. He had reason to meddle before. Sure. Well, I don't know. She's a spy doing her job. 
Yeah, it's interesting because here essentially we are the audience sharing with the main character this feeling of suspense, but towards somebody else. What's going to happen? Nice chiaroscuro. On to you. It's putting a lot of faith into someone's bad habit. Yeah. See, kids, smoking might save your life. That was the takeaway from all this. Sure. <laughs> What a beautiful house. I'm sorry. I just, this whole gosh darn movie is filled with so many lovely places. It's like great design. Well, it's like I talk about how for the uh, the trailer for my book, I was basing it on the fact that uh, Hitchcock would do um, like promotional films that were like travel logs. And the one he did for this was about visiting Mount Rushmore. That was the entire reason this movie was made. <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta be so perfect trying to throw that matchbook down. Like, barely landed correctly. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh. Even just that, the fact that he picks it up. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> that was smooth. Hmm. Where are the earrings? But yeah, I do like how I feel like in this latter half they've upped a lot of the chiaroscuro here and there. Sure. To make it a little more dramatic, intense. Yeah, there's there's real creative use of shadows. But it does feel like 
you know, uh, gender politics aside, it does feel like this film is kind of a culmination of a lot of um, all the best traits of Hitchcock's filmmaking. Sure. Like everything he'd done, he's implementing so well. I mean, yeah, this is, you are watching. Oh, that's so good. You're watching the latter day works of a master. That shot. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, oh, it's her PPK. Why wouldn't you with sh- the blanks in it? Why wouldn't you just shoot him? Man, they got some use out of that treadmill. (laughs) So. You don't think you're acting suspicious? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> yoink. <laughs> just like <laughs> but why wouldn't the housekeeper just shoot him well she tried to not realizing that it was blanks I meant right away okay Hey, wait a minute. I've seen I've seen these trees before. <laughs> Damn dresses. I mean, I'm sure if she knew she was going to be running through the woods, she wouldn't have worn something so flowy. <laughs> hmm. Also, what's north? North is up. That's another. I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I'm realizing the motif. This is so nuts. It's such a <laughs> it's such a good concept for a sequence. <laughs> I think it is.
So, matte painting? Uh, yeah. Re- really there? Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of compositing. A lot, of, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious how they, they pulled a lot of this together. Hmm. <laughs> oh no, no stiletto, no. Yeah, that would hurt. She's in heels on this thing. Oh my god, no. Yeah, when I saw this in the theater on the big screen, you could actually see, uh, like around them, like the uh the confines of their image in the matte painting. Mm. Like you can see where the compositing was. What is your plan going down this side? (laughs) What what is your plan dealing with this much mountain? (laughs) Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's, I, that, no. No, what were you thinking? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yeah, I I have to agree with you. I do love the fact that like I'm sure Hitchcock just looked at was looking at like Mount Rushmore and just thought, what if? <laughs> right, yeah. What if a chase scene happened along Mount Rushmore? And how would I get to that? <laughs> you know, what, what would the story be that leads to that sequence? Yeah, it, it definitely it does feel like the kind of piece that you, a movie was built around. <laughs> This is a perfect time to just let the music take over. Uh oh. Uh. Uh. This is just making me think of that Saving Private Ryan scene. Oh my god. That was pretty good. No. 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 So tense. Mm. No.
You jerk. What a bastard. Oh, no. Uh... Oh, my goodness. Wait for it. <laughs> Whoa, that was an abrupt and um, not subtle end there. <laughs> okay. Yep. So, what? That was... Wow. Okay. Right? <laughs> and even though there is no subtlety in that train shot... Yes. It is still thematically relevant because they met on a train. Yeah. And he said to her earlier, when we're done with all this, we should take the train back to New York together. (laughs) So, (laughs) as potentially crass as that is, it is still. Oh, no, they earned it. They earned that joke. (laughs) It's a very silly joke, but they earned it. Yeah, I couldn't remember. So, obviously, the movie's done. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember if um, if she fell or not. Like, Because I feel like I've seen that sequence as well at some point. Like, I was shown the, the actual chase, like, parts of that chase scene. And part of my brain was like... You, you're she, probably crossing it with vertigo. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. That, that's probably part of it. Um which honestly, that's a spoilers for Vertigo. Well, that, that's a Hitchcock movie that I have not seen all the way through. Either. Oh, really? Yeah. Vert- Vertigo's uh, it's an interesting one. It's been a long time. I have seen Vertigo. What are all the ones I've seen? I've seen Rope. I've seen Vertigo. Um, I've seen The Birds. Mm. Uh, yeah, I I'd be curious to go back and like look at a bunch of different Hitchcock stuff and and catch up because there's definitely I have a lot of blindness in that region of knowing stuff about his filmography but um uh but yeah that it kept very much kept you in suspense up until the very end mm-hmm. um what a crazy movie <laughs> what a bizarre film especially for its time and uh, and i love like Cary grant like the character of roger thornhill like he doesn't change like no, not what is really. his arc in this movie? It's just him being confused and going from one place to the next. <laughs> like, like Roger Thornhill does not grow as a person throughout this movie. No, he's the Ferris Bueller of Hitchcock films, I suppose. He, uh, no, he doesn't. He doesn't actually. I mean, I guess that is the belief that you always need a character to change uh, across a story. But I think if the story around them is interesting enough, then maybe that isn't the case and you sure. don't need to. Um, but you're absolutely right. Who does have the arc? I guess, well, no one really. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a dangerous situation um, that uh, people are barely surviving. Yeah. Cool. Well, that was, that was North by Northwest.
Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys liked it. And if you did, please uh, hit us up on the social medias. We are at Cinepraisal, uh, just across the board. Mm -hmm. Twitter, Instagram, all the things. All of them. All of them. Uh, And if you (laughs) want to... No, we don't have a Tumblr. I think we do have a Tumblr, but I don't... Is Tumblr still a thing? I think I grabbed it just to have it, but I don't actually use Tumblr at all. (laughs) Okay. But yes, all the I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, sometimes I feel like I should just have, like, my 14-year-old niece just run our social media for us. (laughs) We'd probably get a lot more traction. It's not a bad idea. Um, But yeah, if you want to follow uh, me and my random musings slash doings, you can find me uh, on Instagram. Instagram and Twitter at Dungeons and Daleks. That's Dungeons, the letter N, Daleks, because I'm a huge nerd. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Dax? I am at Dax Schaefer on all the things. Um, I barely post, but that means when I do post, you'll know it's important. Oh, yeah. And they're always, <laughs> they are nuggets of gold every time. <laughs> Anywho, uh, any closing remarks or... Is it about as closed as it can can get? No, no. I I, I think I'm good, honestly, because my eyes were closing a few times. I feel a little bit towards the, the end. I'm sorry we got a little quiet there. No, no, no. It's just, <laughs> it's the fact that, like, I am very tired and I'm very cold and I just want to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, have a lovely eve uh, wherever you are. And remember, keep, keep watching, watching movies. movies. Nailed hey, it. we got it that time. Yeah, All right. Good for it. us. Well hey. done. <laughs> All right. I'm ending this madness. <laughs> <laughs>